just like in the industrial age, we needed to have a supply chain or an optimization process to deliver that value. In the digital era, we also need a new mechanism to consistently deliver that value, which is now this experience. And so, yes, the design is part of it, but it's only a part of it. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Over the last several years, we have touched on many elements that have to do with experience. User experience, customer experience, employee experience, and most recently, something Gartner is calling the total experience. During our conversations, we've talked about some of the technology that supports that experience. Collaboration technologies, contact center technologies, just to name a, a couple. We here at InterVision and Status Go firmly believe for businesses to flourish in the digital age, they must be focused on the experience. That is why we were so excited to see the creation of the Digital Experience Report by our guest today, Charlie Araujo. Charlie is an internationally recognized authority on digital transformation, the digital experience, and the future of work. He's a best-selling author, founder of the Institute for Digital Transformation, and a highly sought-after speaker. You might say, and he hates it when I call him this, he's a thought leader. I am honored to call him a friend, a mentor, and a guide. Welcome back to Status Go, Charlie. Jeff, always great to be here with you. So you were on our one of our early episodes. It's probably been three or four years ago you were on Status Go. Catch us up. What's been going on? Uh, use that as a way to introduce yourself to our audience who may not be familiar with your work. But what what's been happening? Well, I, I will give you the abbreviated version. At the end of the day, I'm, I still consider myself an IT guy, even though I haven't done IT work directly for a very long time now. But 20 some odd years ago, I ran technical ops or IT ops for about a billion dollar healthcare firm, spent another decade after that advising enterprise execs, uh, really on transformational journeys. That's what actually led me to write my first book called The Quantum Age of IT, where everything you know about IT is about to change. Uh, that put me on a journey. I, I, I joked that what it really changed was my career path because I started getting invitations to speak all over the world about the future of IT and what it meant to be a leader in that future. And I was having a blast, but it was destroying my business. I was making no money and I was trying to figure out you know, how to keep doing this. So that led eventually to two things. The first was a switch to a focus on digital transformation, which actually was part of it. I was on this uh, speaking to her through New Zealand about six or seven years ago. And, and that's, that was sort of the impetus behind that shift. And then five years ago or so, I put on the analyst hat and realized that's how I could sort of bring all these new parts of my world together. Um, and so I probably talked to you the last time right after I had done that. I was still heavily ensconced mm -hmm. in the focus on digital transformation and sort of being an evangelist for what that meant. And that's still all very true. But what has happened in the last couple of years is that I realized that the term digital transformation was sort of getting beat up, that people were just slapping it on everything. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think the core tenets of what I've always meant it to be have really changed or that we're done, but it became this borderline useless buzzword. 
-hmm. and and more to the point people were missing the real underlying message and frankly because people like me hadn't really quantified it or boiled it down to even distill what that message is and so that's what led me to focus over the last couple of years and there's been an evolution but on this idea of the digital experience and and, and so really mm -hmm. these are not this isn't me shifting or moving this is simply me sort of evolving my understanding of what digital transformation was really all about and what I boiled it down to and we'll dive into it, I guess, you know, during our conversation day, but it really represents the shift in power away from the organization and to the customer and the experience that they demand as now the driver of enterprise value. And so from that sort of nugget or that, that central idea evolved um, everything that I now work on, which is this idea of the digital experience being that center of value creation and the nest, the need to build this, what I call the digital experience value engine to, to deliver it. And then what surrounds it is this idea of the next, what I call the X tech market or experience technology market. So that's, what's been the focus of, uh, of my life really for the last couple of years and two, what, almost three months ago now, I, um, I stepped out on my own and launched what I call the digital experience report. And I'm the proud publisher and principal analyst, which makes it sound so much bigger than it, the reality, which is it's me. So yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Well, the, the digital experience, I, I find this really interesting because it really has been this evolution that, you know, the, the first thing we talked about in, in IT space uh, years ago was the, uh, the, the user interface. Then it became the user experience and uh, it evolved from that. So are you seeing this as a natural outgrowth of this digitization or the digital era, as you call it? More of an intersection. So the original efforts around everything experience, so UI, UX, even the first iterations of, of you know customer experience um, really were... I would say about design elements. They were about acknowledging and addressing that the user, the consumer of a piece of technology was in fact interacting with an interface and that we should actually, you know, care about what that looked like and care about how it functioned. Um, so I think that that is a, it is still a very important part of it. We all do it naturally that if we download a new app and it looks like it's from 1992, we're probably going to immediately delete it from our phone. So it, it clearly has a part. But when I talk about the digital experience, I'm talking about it at a macro level. I'm talking about it from a much more um, almost existential perspective from, from an enterprise. And so and what I mean by that is that my fundamental belief is that throughout the industrial age, which I would argue we have only exited in the last decade or so, the way an organization created value was through optimization, through efficiency. It's, it, you know, the, the whole idea of business processes and supply chains and, um, it's, you know, uh, assembly lines, all of it. We're really all driven by this idea that if you can make something more efficient, then all that value would drop to the, it would drop to the bottom line as value. And, and what's interesting as IT folks is that almost every piece of technology you and I have ever worked on in our entire careers was driven around that. It's that how can we apply technology to increase efficiency and optimization? And it was all about the organization. It was, you know, the Henry Ford, you can have any color you want as long as it's black sort right. of model, right? And my big sort of aha, and, and I actually, I didn't 
didn't recognize it at the time, but when I wrote my first book, I started to talk about this. The The big thing that happened a decade or a little bit more now is that the Amazons, the Airbnbs, the Ubers, take your pick of anyone we hold up as a poster child of the sort of modern digital era. They weren't out optimizing their competitors. It wasn't that they were somehow, you know, Amazon didn't beat Walmart out the optimization game. Now, mind you, they're highly efficient, highly optimized, but that's now the table stakes. What they changed, all of these organizations did, is they transformed the nature of the customer experience. They realized that they could win in the market by disrupting that customer experience. And so my fundamental premise is that the nature of value creation has now shifted, that the traditional things that we did to create value are now the cost of entry. And the way we differentiate in the enterprise is to create these customer experiences that win in the marketplace. And therefore, just like in the industrial age, we needed to have a supply chain or an optimization process to deliver that value. In the digital era, we also need a new mechanism to consistently deliver that value, which is now this experience. And so, yes, the design is part of it but it's only a part of it because a customer's journey, and we'll talk about the other pieces around employees and what have you, but a customer's journey starts long before they're ever interacting with your product mm -hmm. and it continues in forms long after or in ways that have nothing to do with interacting with even the digital product. So it, it's much larger than just that sort of interface, but it that's a part of it. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to talk for a little bit here about what you call the X-Tech landscape. And I know that's a little bit backwards from the way you usually talk about the things. I, we're going to talk about DX value engine here in a minute, but I want to start with the landscape. And one of the things that I that I found interesting as I was looking at your website was the way that you described the XTEP landscape was backwards from my IT brain. I'm an IT guy too. Um, right. Um, I, I want to start with architecture and sustainment and then enablement and then engagement management. You flip that around and take us outside in, which my guess is, is totally intentional, knowing the way that you love words and the way things come together. It's to drive home that experience. Right. So it's a little bit of both, I think. So let me let me back up and explain what I mean by the X tech market. So mm -hmm. as I said, X tech stands for experience tech, and 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 bluntly, I'm sort of trying to steal the thunder or or road, ride the coattails of things like fintech and martech, right? Where, where we start talking about a class of technology that is designed yep. for a specific broad use case. And my the challenge that I had when I started looking at this is that the you know my analyst brethren love to go and take the market and, and carve it up into these ni nice, neat little boxes where I end up with 20 to 40 vendors in it so I can compare them and put them in a little chart or whatever. Mm -hmm. right. And I get it. And that has its purpose. But it's not, as you know, as a former CIO, that isn't how we see the world when we're actually trying to solve business problems. We're trying to solve those problems. And we don't care what box it, it, it's in. And so as I looked at this landscape, what I realized is that I could almost draw a big line and we can talk about how this was has turned out to be much harder than it sounds, but draw this big line to say, I've got architectural technologies or infrastructure technologies, the stuff that basically has to exist to just function. Mm -hmm. And 
I will be the first to say I can't. If you are working on you know thirty year old infrastructure that is hardened and rigid and not agile and you know, don't have any cloud in it, blah blah blah, you're going to have a really hard time de delivering a positive winning experience in the market. No question yeah. about it. But the fact is, you can also run the most modern infrastructure, completely cloudified, cloud native, blah blah blah. Have all the technical buzzwords out there, and still deliver really crappy experiences. Because it's this layer of technology that sits on top of the infrastructure and architecture that is what enables the actual delivery, management, sustainment of a winning digital experience. And more importantly, those are all highly interconnected. You can't look at one piece of it and say, well, that's the key to winning, to delivering experience. Because as we just talked about, the customer doesn't care about any of that. They don't care about any of those nice, neat little dividers. They don't care about your internal functional lines, right? They, they view the whole thing as one continuum. And by the way, we'll talk about this later, but so do employees. Employees don't care about the functional rules either, right? So when we are all as consumers, whether that's a customer or an employee, looking at the experience that we're having with an organization, with a provider of a service to us, we don't break it up. We mm -hmm. look at it cohesively. We're looking at it over its continuum. And that means that we need to therefore look at our technology stack in the same way. And that I found by breaking it up and creating all these boxes, it wasn't, it wasn't effective. It wasn't helpful. And so I looked at the X-Tech market and instead, and if I ever get my X-Tech landscape report released, um, what you'll see in it is that I'm breaking it up based on the stages of the experience, right? So the the idea of architecting, creating it, the idea of delivering it, and the idea of managing it, and then the specific actions that an organization has to take to perform those functions. And so I, I'm not trying to categorize. I'm trying to say these are the steps, and that within those steps, here are the different technology players and technologies that can help you do that. And so when you sort of look at it from that perspective, it all starts to make sense. Um, but I will, I will tell you flat out where what I was starting to get to is that it is confusing mm -hmm. and it's really hard to draw the line. So in my current version, for instance, integration players, I treat as an architectural or an infrastructure component. And yet I'm continually running into players that are proving me wrong on that and making me go, well, maybe they do need to be in this mix or not. And, you know, every time I try to come up with a descriptor of a group of technologies or whatever, there's, it, it just, it is incredibly difficult to do. But the important part here isn't to get hung up on any of that, but to recognize that we have to look at this cohesively and we have to be focused more than anything on the interplay and interconnections between them in service of the experience we're trying to deliver. Can you give us a couple of examples of the technologies that are clearly in this space? Yeah, well, and I think it is fascinating um, because it's. So I'm going to use I'm going to use the, uh, the the traditional technology categories, even though I'm using different terms when I talk about them generally. But um, for instance, um, uh, your traditional CRM CDP, so the customer data platforms and and customer relationship management software, clearly those are are parts of it because they become the repository of the data that represents your customer's journey. But you also need to have things like customer journey management tools that allow you to orchestrate 
the various journeys because one of the key directives now or key viewpoints is that the customer should be in control of their journey. So this idea of mapping, they go step A, B, and C really doesn't hold water anymore. Instead, what we're doing is we're creating this multiple pathway. And we, we want to now be able to use data to figure out, well, what path are they taking? What might they be running into? And how can I best serve them through that process? Um, but at the other end of the spectrum, I believe that things like um, uh, business architecture tools are a critical part of this process because as we look at this, um, one of the key factors is that, as we'll talk about in the value engine in a second, is you have to be re-architecting and, and transforming your business models and operating models to deliver these experiences. And in a large enterprise, if you start to do that or try to do that haphazardly, you're in trouble. So architectural tools, particularly business architecture tools, are critical for the transformational process that's necessary to instantiate and imagine, reimagine these experiences. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have things like voice of customer tools. So I guess I won't name names, but, but voice of customer tools that are doing out there surveys or end user management and, and that are collecting end user analytics or things like the um, what I would consider now a, 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 an experience management platform, but we would traditionally think of as um, APM, application performance management, um, observability and AI ops tools, right? And again, these are often viewed as infrastructure tools, but the best of them have a layer that allow us to look at it from a customer and process perspective where I can use it to manage the experience at a more technical level. So it's a, it's still, like I said, it's this really broad swath of technologies and it is it has honestly challenged my head, my brain to, to try to get my head around it as much as it, it's one of these things where it's easy to talk about and in practice, it's very it, it it shows how interwoven and intricate the process of delivering an experience really is. Yeah, well, because the the experience runs the gamut, as you say, from prior to even in engaging directly with your company or your brand, all the way through uh, order to cash to continuing that relationship and customer success and everything in between all plays a part of that. I, I, I'd like to shift our focus now to your the what you're calling the digital experience value engine. And I, 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 I'll point people to your website and we, we will have links to uh, Charlie's website in the show notes for our listeners because there's some great uh, uh, diagrams that he uses to explain this DX value engine. Charlie, can you walk us through how you came up with this and what what it is that drove your thinking on this value engine and try to describe it without your charts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was this epiphany. It came in this flash of insight. Yeah, no, this took years of sort of evolutionary <laughs> thought. Um, in fact, I used to call it the digital experience supply chain. And I finally changed the name because people kept thinking like digital supply chains, which is a whole, again, a class of technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so the the general gist of it, as I as I talked about, right, we had the shift in value creation, and so at the center of that is the customer experience. Mm -hmm. And the minute, so so that's the whole linchpin. So the very first thing is, if you don't agree with my sort of premise that the customer experience is now the differentiator driver of value for the enterprise, then you can just you know click cut off. Sorry, I don't mean to have you lose <laughs> listeners, but you can just forget the rest of the conversation because everything hinges on that premise, which I, I can back it up with data. And I think it is fairly obvious if you just look at the way the world is working today. But that's mm -hmm. the, the initial premise. 
Once you buy that, though, then suddenly, and this is actually the problem I have, because there's a bunch of people out there, you know, customer experience in particular is becoming the next digital transformation, that it's just becoming this buzzword that people are throwing around. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being the evangelist that I am, this is, I'm, I'm going to beat this dead horse a little bit, because it's critical that you recognize that this isn't just the customer experience doesn't mean that I have a really cool website or a really cool user interface, right? It is this idea that I now have to meet the customer wherever they are at every point in this journey from long before I know they exist, which means providing tools and mechanisms, make it easier for them to discover me all the way till they've been a customer for years or decades. And I'm in continually engaging with them throughout this entire continuum, every step of the way where they're mapping out how they want to engage, right? Mm -hmm. Once you start recognizing the enormity of that, then what you realize is you have to transform your entire business model around it. Because the traditional, as we talked about, the traditional ways that we did business were all about structuring ourselves to drive optimization. Mm -hmm. Now we have to structure ourselves to drive a differentiated experience. And that means some, so that's everything from consumption-based models, right? The way we, maybe we build differently because we're trying to create a different experience or you name it. There's all these different approaches of how we might have to transform our business models to support the experience. The minute you do that, you realize that you have operating models that were designed explicitly to support this business model that you've now changed, which now you, means you now have to go transform your operating models to support the new business models. And the minute you do that, you realize that the management models that you've probably operated with for 20, 30, 100 years are also built to support an operating model that just got changed to support a new business model, which means you have to change the way you manage and lead. So this ephemerality of the experience means that what, what I just described isn't a one-time thing. It's a continual transformational loop, that you are continually transforming your business operating management models to continually adapt to ex experiential demands and hopefully leading that you're delivering ex on experiential expectations that the customer doesn't even have yet right steve jobs was famous for saying that it's not the customer's job to know what they want it's your job as the organization to intuit what they need that they can't even articulate yet and deliver it for them and that's the essence of what we're talking about the other part of the value engine though is that it's not just based on the customer experience because you have employees that mm -hmm. in the real world, even for you know digital first companies, are interacting with those organizations, where I'm sorry, with those customers. And that you're also, by the way, in a competition for your employee talent. And so that means the employee experience is a critical linchpin. It's one of a three leg part of a three-legged stool with the customer experience being one, the employee experience being the second. And then the third is you're also competing for partners. Because increasingly, in order to deliver that winning experience, you cannot do it by yourself. You have to do it in, in concert with an entire network of providers, um, mm -hmm. whether that's traditional supply chain providers or a partner network of people that are delivering your digital solution or whatever it is. And their experience matters because they're picking the partners that they're partnering with. So you put all of that together, and then the entire thing sits on top of those traditional supply chains and service models because you still have to be efficient, you still have to be optimized, and then it's enveloped by this ecosystem of technologies that I call the X tech market. And so that's and so when you start to take that step back, you realize this is this is a big deal. And it's why organizations, I think, are struggling to get their head around it and why it's actually so hard to do. But the last little point is why 
this is a massive opportunity. Those organizations that are getting this right today, they're blowing the doors off their competition because they are able to leverage the value of this. You, you used a word as you were describing that, Charlie, that just jumped out at me. And then you answered the question that I had, but I'm going to raise it anyway. Uh, you used the, the phrase or the word competing for your partners. That was, I, that was surprising to me to hear. Um, but then you went on to explain that they also, in a way, are customers and they want to do business with companies that are helping deliver that experience. How do you find, how do you find the partners that you need to have this delivery network? So it's interesting, not, not to pitch what I'm, one of the things I'm doing now as part of this, but I'll, I'll do it anyway, because it's, it's, I, this is the other thing I'm, I'm truly evangelizing for now. And, and that is that, and, and you know, this as a, as a former CIO, right? It is impossible. You, the, the average enterprise executives is spending all of their time internally facing, trying to deal with their internal customers, trying to deal with their business strategy issues, all of that. They cannot possibly keep up with all of the changes in the technologies and, and trying to tell what makes this technology better than that one, right? And and frankly, as an analyst, I spent you know, a massive amount of time researching technologies. I have trouble making sense of it and being able to distinguish, right? And so one of my fundamental beliefs is that enterprise executives are making their buying decisions in terms of their technologies based on a vision. Mm -hmm. And that vision is, is what is the sort of compelling story of where things are going. And if I subscribe to your vision as a vendor, then I don't have to worry about the edges of every single specific feature set because what it means is if we're going the same direction, then eventually all that stuff's gonna sort itself out. Mm -hmm. And so we better have it. So one of the things I do is I help tech companies articulate that vision, understand it, distill it, and, and articulate that vision to the world. What's interesting though, to answer your question, because I think this is not unique to tech companies. If you look at how tech companies compete for their employees or compete for their partners, it's on the power of that vision as well. Mm -hmm. And so if you're an enterprise leader, guess what? You have the exact same challenge. The whole movement around ESG, right? The, the um, uh, environment, social governance, I think, right? Is that what it stands yep. for? Right? Yep. What is that? Well, that is that is a statement of values. It's it's part of mm -hmm. a vision message that people say, hey, if if I if these guys are going down the road and I agree with those stances, then this is an organization that I want to be affiliated with. The power of a vision is all important in all three of these dimensions of how you compete for your customers, your employees, and your partners. And I do fully believe that you are competing for all three of them. Mm -hmm. And that's how that's how you attract them because trying to go after them and the, and the and, and I think you know we see this with customers today, especially on the consumer side, the traditional ways of you know going after them in a hey this is you know five percent better than it was last year or three percent better than a competitor, it's just not holding water anymore, right? It's yeah. it's all about that vision and putting it out there. So I mean that's that's how I'd be doing it today. I I love that that it comes down to to vision. I I do some talking uh, about this as well when it comes to vision in a, in a leader uh, that, uh, you know, Jim Collins talked about getting the right people on the bus, the right people in the right seats on the bus. And the rest of his quote is, and then figure out where to go. And I say, I say, no, 
as a leader, you have to have this vision of where you're going, because when was the last time you got on a New York City bus and the bus driver turned around and said, OK, Charlie, where do you want to go? Exactly. You got on the bus because you wanted to go where the bus was going. Right. right. And so what you're saying is it's the same for our our partners. Uh, they see our vision, hear our vision, and they buy into that. Before you go there, I do want to I do want to put one little fine point on this. And I know as, yeah. as someone who spends a lot of time helping leaders develop you you know this and you recognize this but for those that are listening i don't it's easy to miss this right it's easy to think of a vision as something that says this is where i'm going in the like the traditional where i have this image of you're riding out on the horse by yourself going ah and and then all the minions follow the the true essence of a vision at least that that i'm talking about and i know what you're talking about is a vision that invites others to make it their own right and and so and that's where it's the analogy of the bus is it struggles. On the one hand, you're absolutely right. You have to have that vision. You have to have a, a destination that you are promising. But it's also not about just getting on the bus passively as a passenger. It's mm-hmm. about inviting them on that we're going to figure out, you know, how to get there. I don't know. Like it's okay, we're we're on this city city bus and we're heading down to here. But what's the best way to get there? You know, and it's yeah, yeah, it's inviting yeah. them into that process because that's that's the critical part, and that's why those employees and those partners jump on that bus because it's like, hey. I love where this is going and we want to be a part of this. Part of that. Yep. Absolutely. Great, great point uh, that it's a, uh, it's a, a vision of what we can achieve together. Yep. Um, that's, that's excellent. I, I want to talk about what you're calling the DXO or digital experience officer. Uh, describe what that is, because when I first saw that, it's like, are we creating a new role within the organization? What are we What are we doing? So, talk to us about the DXO, Charlie. Oh, I hesitated so long and hard when I conceptualized <laughs> this because I I believe we have you know XO fatigue right now in terms of enterprises. Right? You know, CXO of this, CXO of that, and and it's like we have too many. So, I the, the DXO stands for the Digital Experience Officer. I'm not intending for this to be a functional role. And in fact, mm-hmm. I think it, if, if somebody, if an organization creates it as a functional role, they're sort of missing the point because the entire issue, as we talked about, is that the digital experience is something you can only deliver in a compelling, sustainable way if it, if it extends across the functions of the organization innately. So if you now suddenly say this person's role is to own our digital experience, then it, you can pretty much guarantee it's just not going to happen. So it's not meant to be a functional role, but what it is, is the idea that if you're an enterprise leader that sort of buys into everything I just talked about, then in my book, you're a DXO, you're a digital experience officer. And the real idea here is to, uh, just bluntly, what I'm attempting to do is I'm creating this idea of the DXO council, just as a way to stay connected on the ground with the people Mm -hmm. that are living this. You know, as you know, as a former CIO, um, I'm sure people like me frustrated you many times because it's really easy as an analyst, a pundit, as a thought leader. And you're right, I hate that term. But, you know, whatever <laughs> you want to call us, we, we get to sit up and and talk at the 50,000 foot level and sort of deal with a the theory. And I'm very blessed and privileged with the fact that, you know, I'm mostly paid to think and produce mm-hmm. content and ideas around all of these. But what's happening on the ground is where it, all of this matters. And so mm-hmm. for me, I want to stay really connected to what's actually happening and how the folks, the executives that are charged with making this, affecting this change in organizations, what they're running into, what's working, what's not, so that it can inform 
my ideas and the content that I'm producing in a way that is acknowledging that reality. So, um, I, you know, my shameless plug, if you're an enterprise executive and what we just talked about makes sense, please, there's a, a little form on my website, please apply to become one of my DxO council members. It is, there's no cost, there's no commitment. It's just exactly what we talked about. I'm, we're going to try to provide some value around, you know, how, how you can be connected with other like-minded individuals. But to, to your point, Jeff, I think the important thing is that I want executives to recognize this. It's really easy to get subject to the buzzwords, to think that you can just go buy a piece of technology and it's going to miraculously, you know, solve these problems for you. And the reality is that this is a very complex, you know, if, if we go back to the, the value engine that I talked about, the, think of all those moving parts. It's this massive set of technologies. It's this constant state of transformation. It's dealing at the, the employee level, the partner level, all of these different elements. It's you need this true north ability to just continue to kind of pick yourself and go, well, hold on, let's not lose sight of what we're trying to achieve here. And so mm -hmm. to me, that's what the DxO idea is about. And the council is hopefully going to help do. Well, and we'll include a link directly to the form on your website as well for the for the council, Charlie, because I I think I'm many of our listeners will want to check that out and, and learn more about that opportunity. As you may recall from the last time you were on Status Go, we are all about action. So we want to leave our listeners with a very explicit call to action. What are one or two things our listeners should do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? So I know that most of the listeners are um, IT leaders, right? So mm -hmm. one of the things that I, it was one of these aha moments for me. I used to travel, I had a project in Washington, D.C., and I was there every third week. And I stayed at the same hotel. And the general manager of the hotel and I, clearly a bad sign when you're there that much, but we got to be <laughs> friends. And he, he was a fellow wine lover. And so we would get together on Wednesday nights and have a bottle of wine. And after he eventually figured out what I did, after a few glasses one night, he looks at me and says, Charlie, IT is so frustrating. He says, I honestly believe if IT leaders, if my IT team would just show up at my hotel for one day, and watch how my team used their technology, everything would change. It would change how I can engage with my guests, how I can serve my guests, right? And today, what we would talk about is that direct interaction between the customer experience, that employee experience, and the absolute critical role that IT plays because we deliver those services. And, and so the, the action is get out of your seat, Go spend some time with the people that are using the technology that you're creating, developing, managing, supporting, and watch the experience. Don't justify, don't talk. Mm -hmm. Watch, listen, observe, and do it from the perspective of the experience. Imagine yourself on the other end of that process, whether it's as a customer or as an employee or as a partner, and ask yourself, is this experience delighting them? Is this experience yeah. having them go home and going, wow, that was amazing? And if not, what part? Because it's not going to be just on IT, right? But what part can you play in making that more of a reality? I love that. Go and observe people interacting and watch the experience. That's fantastic. 
Charlie, I want to thank you for carving out time to talk to us today. As as always, it's uh, it's a learning experience. It's an amazing experience. I also want to thank you for putting together the digital experience report. I find it incredibly valuable uh, reading what you're writing, and I appreciate you sharing the insights with us. Thank you so much for carving out time for us, Charlie. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be with you, Jeff. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information will be sure and link to not only Charlie's website, but to the DXO Council form uh, for your convenience. This is Jeff Tun for Charlie Orajo. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.